Were you a milkman? I was a milkman. You've, you done an, you've done an awful lot of research. Especially as a defender, if you make a mistake, it tends to end up in the back of their net and that can affect everyone's weekend. Uh, and I used to take it home with me. There was, there was no hiding that. And that was really down to a T, honestly. It was ridiculous. Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. The official podcast. From Nottingham Forest. Now, now here's your host, Rachel Stringer. This is the official podcast of Nottingham Forest, On and Off the Pitch which is available on all your favourite podcast apps. And it's also available in video form on our Facebook and YouTube page. Today's guest's footballing career lasted 20 years. He played in the Premier League for Tottenham Hotspur and Hull City, but book-ended his career at the world-famous City Ground. He came here as a nine-year-old and ended up being here for eight years. He then moved over to Spurs, which resulted in captaincy, Champions League, a League Cup title and a seat on the plane to the World Cup. He then had four years as a Tiger before finally coming home after 13 and a half years. He was labelled as Awesome Dawson and was also the star of Forest's Bench Cam. Now we get to see him regularly on our screens, this time as a pundit. Please welcome to the official Nottingham Forest podcast on and off the pitch, Michael Dawson. Thank you, Rachel. That was very good. <laughs> Just about got there in the I end. Didn't, I didn't like the player cam one, though. I'd have rather been on the pitch than being sub, being a cheerleader. But that gave us an insight into you as a person, which the fans absolutely loved. You must have seen that as well. And all the comments like... Become a manager, become a manager. When are you going to become a manager? Paul Hart saying he's managerial material. Surely, after seeing those comments as well, you kind of thought, is that an accept for me? Well, I was enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, that was something I was, yeah. I mean, look, I got, got involved in the game, wanted the, the lads to do well. Um, I think as a manager, it's a little bit different. I, I was I was cheating them on, like like I said, wanting them to do as, as well as they could. But standing on the touchline, being calm, uh, Sabri Lamucci at the time then was, was stood with his hands in his pockets and I'd be stood next to him at times. And I actually remember Cara saying to me, like we were on the coaching staff, Jamie Carragher said to me when he seen a, a clip of me and Sabri, I was uh, I was fully kitted up, but I, yeah, I had my coat on just because I got involved and I had a great relationship with Sabri. Uh, I wanted the lads to do well. Of course I wanted to be to be playing, um, but it was in the latter stages of my career and I knew the, the lads that were playing uh, and I was there to help them. It almost seemed like you got everyone else as animated as well. You're the one up, out, pointing at everybody. And I think everyone else kind of probably watched and took notice even more because you were acting like you did there. Well, I think we were, we were striving for something. We were striving to be where the, where the lads are now. And that's in the Premier League. We, we, had a, we had a great togetherness. That led, as I said, by Sabri. He was, he was an amazing manager. The mental side of it, the physical side, knowing players' personal life, from your wives to, to your kids' names, all these kind of things. It just had every, everyone on, on the same wavelength and wanting, wanting to be successful. Uh, and we had that. And, you know, striving for, for success and getting for promotion, that's what we all wanted. Even the lads wanted to play. It ultimately comes down to, to wanting to play football matches. But at the end of the day, if we win, the manager's happy, we're happy and we have a chance to get to the Premier League. But unfortunately, we came up a little bit short. Manager in waiting is also happy. I'm obviously getting my iPad out just to remind you of uh, bench cam as well, Doors. Oh, yeah, I have seen this one. Look at that. Yeah, me, me fan was coming out then. Well, that was me as, me as an eight. Look at Yatesy there. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we, 
Look at the Trent end. I used to I used to sit in the Trent end as a as a young eight nine year old. It was a team I I, I followed. Um, you know, seeing the likes of Pierre Van Hooydonk, Stuart Pearce, they were my idols. Steve Stone, Ian Wong, and, and then coming back, I couldn't have asked for a better way to to call it a day. Coming back to a, a place where it all all started, and to be back today, uh, reminiscing about it. But I don't need to see myself doing that, Rachel. That's for sure. Do you see yourself in the future? Obviously, we know you've had such a successful transition and I want to chat about that as well um, to what you're doing now, to being a pundit and, you know, being on our screens every single weekend, which is so great to see. But you did go and get your qualifications while you were at Spurs. So was that in the back of your mind at some point thinking about a move into kind of management or in the football club in that capacity? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I thought at 30, I thought of a next chapter and journey what I was going to be so I, I did my my B licence when I was at Spurs with the academy there John McDermott uh, who was the FA technical director now at the FA who was fantastic for me uh, and then I went to Hull City uh, and then when I came back here it was time to try and get my A licence finished which I did literally as, as a as I hung my boots up so it was always something that was was in my mindset uh, but the media was another thing that I enjoyed doing and it, it came down to opportunities um, well, I've got a young family I've got an 8 year old boy and a 3 and a half year old daughter so they take an, up an awful lot of my time and I realised uh, my best friend's at, at Grimsby who's assistant manager uh, my brother's assistant manager at Hull City so I realised that the time that goes in to being a manager a coach your sacrifices away from, from your family all these kind of things that played into a part and, and when the opportunity to come up with a media uh, in Sky uh, I grabbed it with both hands and, and I love that so I get the best of both I love talking about football I love watching football but I love being home with my family as well so I get I get to do the school runs as, as well as, as watch football on a Saturday which I know as a coach uh, as a player, it's easy. You've got one person to look after, and that's yourself. To be on time, eat the right things, sleep, prepare. When you cross the white line, perform. As a coach or a manager, you've got everyone to look after and try and perform and get the best out of it. And it, it, you've got sacrifices to make. It's not easy. It's hard work, and um, I'm enjoying the media. So at this moment in time, never say never, though, Rachel. That's I the, thought that uh, was it. I thought you were it. about to say never, and that was what yeah, I was going to no, ask you. No, ne never say never, because I, I love the game. I love chatting about it. Um, and I loved coaching when I was on the grass. I loved it. Uh, but it's not just that. You're not like a player where you train, you jump in the shower, you have some food, you have a massage, and you go home, and you can switch off till the next day. As a coach, you never switch off. You don't have a couple of kids either. You have... A load of them as well. <laughs> You're right, yeah. And they'd be out of work than, than my uh, my two young ones, that's for sure. But obviously you said your brother up at, at Hull. What does he make of you? Does he think you possibly have managerial material in your blood? Considering it's in the family anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you never know until, until you try it, um, until you stood on the touchline as, as a manager or then as a coach. I think something... Um, when I have been involved in a couple of games, and managers been been sacked, and I've took over um, at Hull with with Mike Feeling for a game, we got beat heavily, and it, it's tough. You take it home. Um, I did it with Simon here when Aitor left, and we went to Reading, and, and we lost. And you're trying to think what you could do better. Uh, and that, that was a coach, never mind as a manager. So you must never switch off. So I don't know. Um, I, I take my off to every every manager, every coach, because as I say, it's, it's hard work. It'd be quite the story, though, wouldn't it? Academy boy, two stints here, possibly. Oh, Rachel, you're selling it now. I'm Come selling on. it. I've Come got on. to. That's my no. job, Dawes. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about what I wanted to as well. The fact that you have made that successful move, but it wasn't without a lot of thought going into it, was it? You kind of thought early on, 
I'm going to make the transition to the media and you put the hard work in early in your career. I did, yeah. And, and, and it's probably something when, when I look back and tell you this story, when I came back, um, it all came about when I was at Hull City with David Prutton. Um, Prutch used to cover the games. I played with Prutch here and we were at Hull and I said, Prutch, you're doing great in the media. How did it all, how did it all happen? So it all fell about like that. I said, I'd love to give it a go. So we were in the Premier League at the time and uh, the producer at Sky then was was a big Spurs fan. He'd spoke to, uh, always, to helps. Prutch. always helps to get your, your foot in, uh, in, in the door. So I remember watching my first game. It was Swindon against Scunthorpe. It was the worst game of football ever. It was windy. It was probably a bit like my performance, to be honest, Rachel, if I'm truth, truth be known. Uh, you're going out of your comfort zone, you've gone from playing. And I'm still only young. I still hadn't thought of doing that. I just thought I'd give it a go. And um, they obviously seen something in me and they kept inviting me back when it worked. And, and uh, then when I came back here, I, I got injured and I was doing doing quite a bit of it. And, and one of the stories was when I'd come back for a, from an injury with, with Roy and Martin at the time. And I remember running out to training and uh, Martin's gone, oh, what are you doing this week, Doss? So I've, I've, I've reeled it off that I was doing a Champions League game. He was like, no, you clown, what, what, what are you doing out on the training pitch? So, so whenever I see Roy now, he always brings up that story. And I said, well, I had to because you were kicking me out the door in 12 months' time. So I had to think of my next, uh, my next opportunity. But all, all these things, which I can understand from the coaching point of view, players, when they come into the latter stage of the career, they're thinking of planning the next journey of what they're going to do and I was doing the same with, with my media because you know unfortunately you can't play forever and it's something that I wish we could because I, I loved it. every minute of being a footballer I, I honestly it's, I would not have changed a, a thing well I would one thing not being injured <laughs> yeah you're so good about that as well haven't you in fact you hated that but I was just going to go back to you have to start somewhere you said you possibly weren't that good and I was trying to remember when I last saw Doors and I actually think it was Hull City I must have been like 20 15 probably could have been yeah 2015 time and um again when i started my job i was pretty rubbish and i took doors well he took me on a little wander around the dressing room and it was on fletch and sav obviously we know fletch here uh, big forest fan it, it was kind of like try and get as much as you can and so i'm like tell me about your socks <laughs> like what shoes are you wearing but that's the kind uh, you have to start somewhere, don't you? exactly you do um and you've got to try it and i think that's the thing as a as a career path you're going down i've got friends who now have saying like do you enjoy it do you have as much fun as you look like you're having on a soccer saturday and jeff and uh, and the gang are magnificent it, remember it, jeff's fun. name remember you get that wrong sometimes uh, jeff and well. jules yeah i mean because i say Jeff every every Saturday you do midweek but yeah we have fun it's it's a great show and like I say you get caught up in the the emotions of the game and enthusiastic and that's what it's all about fans want to hear what the game's like because they're, they're not seeing it where where luckily enough we get to see it do you get the same nerves that you had on match days no um I did, when I, first, cut, yeah. I, I did when I first started. Yeah, this is my second full season doing it. And, and the more you do it, same as anything. You, you, you think, you, well, I think I get better. I'm not too sure. I'll let the audience de decide that. But no, you do. You become a little bit more comfortable. Uh, however, when I played, I got nervous every game. Because when you cross that white line, you think, right, you don't want to let anyone down. One yourself, one your teammates, one the manager. And your fans, because especially as a defender, if you make a mistake, it tends to end up in the back of their net and that can affect everyone's weekend. Uh, and I used to take it home with me. There was, there was no hiding that. Is there still that kind of sports person persona about you, though? When you do go home now from the studio, do you go, I'm going to analyse my performance? Do you look at it and go, oh, was, was I better than last week? Did I say... Uh, 
like eloquent saying. Do you, know, do, you, do, you ma- do you have a look at that as a sports person? I don't actually watch it back because I hate watching myself and, and, li- and listening to myself. Uh, but I do know when I, th- well, well, I think I've had a good show when things have not probably gone to plan. Um, but they keep asking me back, so that's that's a good sign. A good I think if it keeps if it keeps coming, I'm doing all right. Um, we always, I guess, hear in the in the paper about players not knowing what they want to do afterwards and having that kind of point in their careers up when it's ended of being a bit lost. Did you ever have that? What was there ever that hole? Um, and did you kind of see that with your with your family as well? Because it's not just you. Yeah, it's your family and your kids that go through this massive transition as well. I think that's one of the reasons when you talk about going to the coaching of the media. Um, when we left London, we moved we moved back north. Um, living in Yorkshire, I travelled. Then I, I rented a place here when when we came back, and all these kind of things. When you have kids, you then they've had sacrifices. You've moved all around the country and away from your your family, and all those kind of things determine that. Um, but I think I was fortunate. I have missed it, but not as much as a lot of people miss it. I think I went out with COVID when when we had COVID and we missed out on the playoffs. And my last year, I was here and, and wasn't really involved, which was hard. So I was I was sort of in the transition then, and the game wasn't taken away from me. I sort of made that decision where I see players who retire a lot younger than what I did through injury, and that would have hurt me. Uh, I'm I'm very open when I when I was injured. I was down. I was. You always think you had to get back to fitness. You're in the you're in longer days. All these kind of things. It's not your life. You can't eat what you want. It was just a knock-on effect. I, I always always got down. But when I retired, I knew um, that I'd give everything I could to my career, the sacrifices, and and it was probably time that I was uh, I was old and slower. And people say I was slow for a lot of my career, but that that's their choice. Uh, but no, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed a thing. I really really wouldn't. And is there anything you do now which you definitely couldn't have done when you were playing that you absolutely love, which you did sacrifice during your playing days? Um, not really, no. Uh, that's bizarre, isn't it? I, um, I was always... I was never someone to... St- I mean, I probably eat a little bit more chocolate what I do. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I've never been a, a, a bit, bit. But, but I used I used to eat chocolate when when I was playing. That was my uh, my go to. And, and there was times where I was carrying a little bit of weight. I had to stop when you're injured. You think yeah, you're probably doing 40k a week. Realistically, you might run 10, 15, and then you get seven or eight k two or three times a week. So all those kind of things. That's that's something I miss is being fit. But I tend to try and do two or three runs a week just to uh, keep in a little bit of shape. I mean, just being able to go on holiday. Yeah, in in, in school time, uh, sorry, in, in term time. Term yeah. time, yeah. I mean, we're, we're away uh, in a few weeks because it's half term, and all these things that you could never do. You had a six-week break uh, in in the summer, and that was it. You were always planning to the international breaks. Could we have three days away? But now uh, my boy is, is is in school, and all these kind of things that you you can plan. I've actually got a diary now. Whereas when I was playing, I never had a diary. Got social calendar as well. Yeah, yeah well, like, you miss yeah, that a you miss, bit yeah. When you're miss. working in sport, yeah, and football, uh, you I'm do sure. because I'm away on a Saturday. I don't get back late till Saturday night. I miss the lads. I miss going into training because I'd always go into training, uh, and that's something the lads said to me. How did you stay so positive, like when you weren't playing? I was 36, 37. I probably wouldn't have been like that at 26, 27. Um, but you just try and set an example. You go into train. Uh, and there was managers that I didn't didn't get on with all the time and I wasn't playing, so I wouldn't have a relationship like I did. Um, but all these kind of things, you try and pass that example on to the next generation because they're going through it. You can only play 11 players. So what were the subs? They're not happy. But what you can do is you can go and train hard and respect every other person in around the football club. And we saw that absolutely coming out from everywhere you went in your career. Quickly though, your son, is he going to 
footballer. He enjoys playing. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he loves it. Yeah, I mean, look, being a player, I know how hard it is. Um, well, and your brothers. You're, yeah, you know, yeah, and both of your brothers. Andy obviously had, had a great career, and Kev, Kev played professionally till 23, and unfortunately went out of the game. So I've seen both sides. It's a tough industry uh, when you get to the top and you can stay there and you look back and had 20 years. But I played with a lot of kids coming down here. We'd come on a Friday night, got on a train from from Yorkshire. A lot of them lads went out of the game and you're sacrificing, you lose your uh, your teenage years. I would never change it. Would them? I don't know. Only, only they can answer that because uh, they didn't go on to, to, to play as long as I did. But I loved every minute and Louis can do whatever he wants. He can play football. I don't care as long as he's happy. He's almost the age when you started here. So we'll yeah, watch, that's true. watch yeah, this yeah. space in the future. You keep mentioning COVID. We've got to talk about, let's let's actually start the other way around. Let's start your last stint here. When you, when you came back in 2018 and you said it was tough. You kind of came in, had a season and then it was 1920 and it was COVID. How did you kind of rally around as the leader type that you were to the players when we had such an un, unknown? I mean, it was three years this month, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, and it was the unknown and we were in great form before... Uh, you were in playoff position. Yeah, uh, before we were all shut down and I remember the trip, we were going to Sheffield Wednesday on the Saturday. We played midweek, we got beat heavily here by, by Millwall, uh, which was disappointing and then the Friday, I remember driving down, we, we trained late, we used to train late on a Friday and then we'd go to a hotel at Sheffield on the way down, I get a call saying the whole training ground shut down. Uh, we're not going to be playing. And that was it. I turned around and went home and I was home for, what was it, six to eight weeks. Um, I just, I'd had my, my daughter in October. My boy was doing homeschooling. Oh, my wife was doing the homeschooling with the boy. I left that to, uh, left that to, to them, but I would be literally putting her down in the morning for a, a 10, half, 10 sleep. I'd be then putting my training gear on and going doing a run. We had we had set runs that we had to do. It was any time of day you could do it. Um, but I'd always get it done in that 45 minutes to an hour period where she was sleeping, get back and we'd have a Zoom gym session. It was hard. It was times when you think, where, where are we going with this? Uh, along with the whole whole world, I suppose. Um, it, it, it was tough. It was challenging. And then we were, we were fortunate as a, uh, an industry to be able to come back and, have a little bit of a normality training. It was, it was done very different and not to the professionalism as you would all been brought up on and how it was going to be. You would, you would come in in your training kit, not going in the buildings would be in the dorm at, at Wilford. And then you go out on the training pitch, all these kind of things. It's not professionalism. You get in early, you have your breakfast, you have your massage, you get your kit, you're ready pre-act. That had all gone out the window. And we just never reacted from it when we, when we came back. Coming and playing football here, with no one. With no one. That was not what you dreamt of doing as grassroots. The atmosphere was, honestly, it was it was so bad. Um, how much do you, do you think, or can you kind of calculate, it changed oh, it did. how you felt as a performer? Let's say, obviously, you're always trying to play at 100, 110%. What percentage do you think you then acted on when there was no one here? And this isn't wow. a negative, it's just no. now, reality I'm, I'm of the situation. I'm saying below 50%. Oh. I, I was a player that... When I arrived on the bus, I arrived in my car, music on, I could feel the adrenaline straight away. You'd have fans there. Footballers are performers. Mm. Not everyone was like that because you've seen some players perform better under under COVID than what others did. I used to have nerves. It was like a pre-season game sometimes when I used to come in and if I didn't have that nerves, I'd make mistakes and, and all these kind of things. As a substitute, you'd be sat in stands. You could hear everything. That was reserve team football. When I was dreaming of being a first team player, I played in the reserve team. We'd get a few hundred here and you could, you could see... That was each step to get becoming a professional footballer. 
being a professional footballer, playing in an empty city ground or wherever he went, that wasn't football. And I thought that was maybe just me that was coming to the latter stage of my career. It wasn't. I spoke to Premier League players who felt, have you lost that hunger? And we see some results. I mean, one result that stands out was Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. That doesn't happen. Crazy it, results. Crazy results. And it was, uh, it, 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 it was different. And, and one that probably made people appreciate fans a lot more. Uh, I think football without them is, is nothing. Yeah, no, exactly. And obviously you've spoken openly about that your departure was muted, possibly because of COVID and you maybe didn't get the send-off that you wanted. How disappointing. How challenging was that? You know, after a 20-year yeah, no, I, 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 career. Yeah, my, my agent and... Uh, when I did retire, I was like, look, we'll put it under the radar, go out, no problem. Was that because you wanted that? Because you're that, not yeah, no, anyway. No, but that's just how I was. And he was like, no, you can't have this. You've had a great career. You should have some recognition. And I'm glad he did it in the end because he pushed it. Um, Duncan Ross, great guy. He does the media stuff. He's, he's a magnificent person. He was like, right, we're going to do it. We're going to put this press release out. I was like, and I'm glad he did. I'd have been in tears if I'd have walked around here with my kids and the fans would have been singing and the the, pre, the appreciation I would have got, I would have been in tears. So probably I got away with that. But yeah, I mean, it was probably the norm in the end. It was, I went out in that way. Um, but as I said, I, I appreciate the career I had and the, the clubs I played for. I give everything. The fans were, were great to me when I was here. And they still are. They still realise the love that I have for the football club. I mean, the club did a little something for you, didn't they? Nicholas Randall, he came yeah. and um, obviously presented you with a little gift to take home. Yeah. So it was more internally. I'm yeah, guessing, it was. And it was the only way the we fans. could do it. Broad, Brody was down here and Grabs came and, and Chris at the time, who was manager, came and, and the lads, we all went for some food. Um, but we had to sit outside. <laughs> it was bizarre. <laughs> we're, all, we're all sitting outside and it was freezing. I mean, uh, a little bit of food and, and a drink. It wasn't like we could where we could go into town and have a meal and then a few drinks and all that and, and have a send-off. So I appreciate what they, they did for me. But I was quite happy just to go out uh, quietly. That's you though, isn't it? And that's something which is not the norm for a lot of footballers. For example, you don't have social media. I was trying to remember when you were at Spurs and Hull, did you have social media for a time or have you never had I've it? I've never had social media. Why? I, I just don't know it can can help the mental side of a, of a footballer. Uh, and when I retired, uh, I spoke to Dunk. He said, we need to get on social media. I said, I don't need to be on social media. Uh, I have a quiet life, wife, kids. People write things when I do stuff on a Saturday. People might not like me on the TV. I don't know anyone in the world who likes to read negativity. Uh, but I am big with a footballer. I don't know why to have them. For, for me personally, that's my opinion. Businesses, yeah, you can use it to your advantage and... Uh, get the recognition and all those kind of things. But as a player, I could affect one thing and that's what's going on in my head, in my body and I can perform when I cross that white line. And any negativity in around it, I, I don't get it. Whenever my, my parents or anyone had come to watch me, I never spoke about the game after. When I'd been good, bad, indifferent, all the, this happened. This was, when I walked through the front door, this was a family that were there because of who I was. Not, not a footballer, to be there for support when you, you're going through that. And, and I just, that's what you need. Uh, and going on social media and reading things I don't know how it can help you I couldn't deal with that and confidence is a massive thing in football in any walk of life uh, and if someone can take that away from you why have it if you can deal with it good luck to you I wouldn't have been a person that could have, have dealt with that criticism I, I put myself under an awful lot of pressure to perform and be as good as I could be these fans might not even like you there might be rivals they're writing things about you um, 
it's a little bit different now if she wants my mates were the worst thing when I'd said something wrong on a weekend but now I don't have to perform I'm just myself you have to perform as, as, as a player you've got to go and uh, perform to the best of your ability and I've just never been a big fan of it yeah I'm guessing players now it's been around what since 2010 I'm thinking Twitter was about 2010 2012 mm. I mean you were obviously still playing before that um, you maybe had a look in, in the papers and stuff but now I guess we, we kind of know how to deal with that you can mute certain notifications yeah. or whatever and it just has become the norm. It's a way to yeah, well, that's it. I'm not, put yourself out there. I, I mean, look, I, I'm not quite 40 yet, uh, <laughs> but the younger generation yeah. of, of, of of kids, that's all they know. Uh, my boy's eight, so when he gets to 12, 13, will he have social media? It's up to him. But that's just the norm. We, we're living in a, in a day and age where you have to get with the times. We talk about the older generations and managers, how it's getting younger and younger and the different way of managing. And Sabri was probably the first one of that. Knowing all these insights of, I thought it was me when he bought my little boy and a girl a, a birthday present at Christmas. I'm thinking, how does he know all these kind of things? It wasn't just me. He'd have a meeting and we had a book and it wrote to the kids and all these kind of things. He knew everything. And this was something for me that was like, wow. Every single player in there would speak about their kids and it just becomes more personal then. And that was at the last stage of my career, but that's how it's gone. Is that the first manager you ever had who acted that way? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, and when Sabri came in and um, it's funny, he called me when he, when he went to Cardiff. Um, still still speak to him. and But he was, it was the first manager that had gone from having to deal with the mental side of players and not always probably believing what he says to players. Uh, I think that we, but it's about getting the best out of them on the pitch to go and perform. Do you think if you had a coach like Sabri earlier on in your career, you'd reformed even better than you did. I mean, we're talking about your captain Spurs, your captain Hull, your captain Forest. You've been to Champions League finals, you won League Cup finals. You've played for England. You went to a World Cup. What do you think having a man manager like that and knowing the kind of person you are, you like yeah. praise, you don't yeah. like negativity. Um, you're, you know, you're an open person. Yeah. And, you know, you're so friendly and open to be around. So you like that kind of vibe. Do you think it would have enhanced your career in any way? Good question. Uh... And I don't think I can answer that because I had the other end of the spectrum when Paul Hart signed me at 14. He petrified me. Opposite. He petrified me, but he gave me the opportunity. 16, I left home and moved here. Um, I went out to go and see him to see if I go home at the weekend. I'd, I'd walked to him and some of the staff had said, probably not the best time to go and see him today. He, was, he wasn't in the best of moods. And then he gave me my debut. But was he hard on me as anyone else? Yeah. Horrible at times. But that put the demands on me. And I would say that started from my mum and dad. I've always respect being on time, respect everyone, whoever they are. Uh, but Paul instilled that into me all the way through my career. I did everything to the best I could to get the best out of me because I was definitely one of the best player at 16 or 18 or at 35. But I was, I give everything. Um, so it's just the way times have moved on. That, that back when I was 14, 16, 18, 20, you couldn't deal in the same way when I was 35. Um, and that's just the younger generation uh, of players and uh, I think there's got to be a fine balance, balance of telling a player what's right and wrong but overstepping the mark as well well different players need completely different management styles as well some need just to be guided yeah. some need a hard stick like possibly Paul yeah. Hart gave you um, so I guess yeah it depends also what point in the career you're out at that time a manager comes in definitely and, and I, th I, th I think Paul was so hard because he wanted to keep people on the straight and narrow I mean look you're a young an old school an old school old school, school. Yeah. and he brought us through he'd, he'd made that crop of players we're living in a city you can go out 
He would find out when we'd been out. We're young 18, 19, 20 year olds. You'd How go would he out. find out where you'd been? Well, he'd, <laughs> obviously, have, you in he'd obviously have spies who, who was out and about. But you, it's all about not taking your eye off, off the ball, literally, because you can be distracted uh, going out on a Tuesday, going out on a Saturday, all these things that affect your performance at a weekend. And, and, and ultimately, that what's boiled down if you could go out on a Tuesday go out on a Saturday but still f- perform to the best of your ability on a on a weekend no problem but if you couldn't that was affecting you the outcome of uh, and then you wouldn't go on and uh, make it so he just he just instilled that into you obviously you've gone now to the academy your first in for us talking about Paul Hart what would the implications then be if you went out on a on a weekday or went out and Hart caught you oh wow what, what would uh, that look like I remember, for you I remember we had a Christmas party um <laughs> and all the younger lads like look we had we had a lot that wasn't just me or, or two or three players we were probably ten of us I, I reckon you look back to to Barry Roach Brian Cash Reedy and myself I think JJ had left at the time Tuesday afternoon used to go out senior players right we're going out Christmas party I remember him saying before he went you going out like, yeah, we're, we're a group. We went, right, you'll all be in tomorrow at nine o'clock. Oh my gosh, you're thinking you've had you've had a skin full the night before. You've had a few drinks. It was part of the norm then, back in the day. But this was a Christmas party. You got the senior lads going out, Wardy, Ricky Skimmicker, the good group. This is a team together. It's probably happened once, once a year. Uh, and I remember the next morning waking up thinking, how am I going to get into training? Did you all make it? I made it just. Did everyone just, make it? Yeah, I think they did. I think I think he he put the fear into everyone. We all made it. Eyes were everywhere, but we uh, we made it. What were some of his? Uh, am I allowed to say toughest? I guess if if he had done something wrong, what is it? What are his rules to to abide by and what he would well, do? Well, he would he would tell you. Uh, I remember making a mistake here in one of my first games. Uh, I probably got a bit of my head of self ahead uh, of myself. Uh, Wardy was running back. I should have just played it back to Wardy, and I tried a, a trick. Um, and it come off my other heel and the scored. Probably getting too big for my boots, too quick. Very confident. And I remember half time him, oh my word, it absolutely went ballistic. Someone said to me, and he went, You don't listen to him, he doesn't know what day of the week it is. He's having a nightmare. And I was 18 years old. If I if I had heard a manager saying that to an 18-year-old and I'm 35, I'd have had to go and sit next to the player and put my arm around him and say, Look, don't worry, Gaffer's just lofted today. And that's where Des came in, he was so good. Playing alongside Desi helped me at, at periods where Paul was hard on me, would blame me. Des would, Des would take me under his wing and, 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 and help me. Is there anyone, obviously you've spoken quite a lot about uh, Des doing that before. Is there anyone that you acted in the same role as Des in your career going forward, either at Spurs, Hull or back here at Forest, that you wanted to take a younger player and you not necessarily because the manager was hard on Yeah. No, I mean, it was different then because the managers weren't um, like they were. But obviously was was, was a younger player, uh, enormous time for 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 was what he, what he's done was he's probably a little bit more confident than I was at, at that age in the ability but Cashy when he came in to play right back alongside me he was a he, he was a, a kid that I just I took to straight away he's got that personality that yeah um you can't not like he's he's great a, a, along with Yeti probably like myself I look at him and think he does everything right on the pitch, everything right off it, from sleeping to eating to, to drinking the right stuff and just looking after himself and working hard in the gym. Um, you just want to see players get the opportunity and he, he's done that. And he's someone that, we had him on the podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, that had such a tough time for the fans as well and who is on social media mm. and he kind of has done full circle now, but he didn't let him that affect him. 
which was testament to the character and his family as yeah. well. I think that's the younger generation of players. So, so I said, I, I couldn't have been on it. They are on it and they deal with that probably in a better way that the older generation deal with it. That's just how, how they've probably learned to do it. I listen to younger players doing interviews. Wow, they have some confidence. I wouldn't have been that confident doing an interview then, but that's just how it is. The, uh, they've come into the world with, with me, social media and, that's all they've known. They haven't known who opened a paper on a Sunday morning. My dad would go home at a weekend. Dad would open the paper. You'd look at the marks. Yeah. They won't know what well, they won't know what newspapers are. Yeah. That's just how it is. Like it, it, it's uh, and Yates took his fair, fair share of criticism. But I tell you what, we're a different team when he's in, when he's in it. That is one hundred percent. He you couldn't have you couldn't have eleven Yates and you couldn't have eleven Brennan Johnsons. You've got to mix and match with the team and the players that you've got to to utilise your your player at the top of the field to your defenders to Yates in midfield. But since he's been out, we've we've certainly missed him. Well, there's a co- the quote that I said to him when he was on here. I said, Gary Brazil said to you, uh, if you take a pint of your blood and put it in every single player in the academy, we'd have a successful squad. And that's basically it's, what you're it's true. To. It's true. You look where he went to on loan, Barrow. Scunthorpe, Notts County, he's been everywhere to get the opportunity to play in this, this first team. And um, I remember it was Simon and myself, I, I think I'm sure we brought him on for his debut at Reading. And, and I loved him. And we were 1-0 down at the time. Um, and I, Tendai ended up getting sent off and went 2-0 down. I was like, get Yates on, put him on. He deserves this opportunity. I watch him day in, day out. And you do you do become to have favourites, of course you do. But you have favourites because of work hard and they get the best out of what the the gift that they've been given. And as I say, Forrest missing when he's not playing, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, exactly. We were talking to him about the fact that he's back now, which is great. Hopefully. Great news. Yeah. Um, I want to get back back to the first in, like, as we were kind of going off on a tangent of that one. Um, story that I want to confirm, and you can say it's true or not. Were you a milkman? I was a milkman. You've, you done an aw- <laughs> you've done an awful lot of research. I mean, uh, where did you... Was it around here when you were no, like nine? No, I was, was it up in Yorkshire. I was 13 years old. I, I always put this down to me, education. I was up at quarter past six in the morning. I'd deliver milk from 6.30 to 8. 8, 10 past 8. I'd leg it home. I'd take a pint of milk with me. I'd warm my Weetabix up. I'd have that, jump in the, jump in the bath. and some, I'd lie in the bath and think, I've got to go to school now. First lesson at school non-existent I'd be half asleep so I put it down to that having to go to work and be a milkman I blame your parents as I saying you had to go and do a milk <laughs> hey, ground before school there you go you work hard get out there and work and uh, when you come football it's easy you see but again that you know again when you hear stories of players that have done different jobs and it's instilled a kind of work ethic in them do you think kind of having that little bit of a job in your life has instilled a different character. But in getting up, in, you know what it's like anyway. If you're getting up oh early gosh. in the in the winter in this country, I love my sleep as well, Rich. Okay, I tell you, you, I could sleep 12 hours a day, not a problem. That doesn't happen anymore. But yeah, I used to uh, when I was a player, I'd sleep in an afternoon, two, three hours, and then go to bed and have another 10, 11 hours sleep. I slept for fun. Uh, but going back to that, yeah, I used to wake up at 6:15, and it was yeah, I was yeah, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun, but I did it and. Um, I don't know if he stood me in good stead, but he certainly certainly made everything else in, uh, everything else easier in life. I'm sure. Yeah, well, obviously, then we were talking about that you were here from from nine years old. Again, trekking up up and down the country, going back home to North Yorkshire. Uh, that was a commitment for your family, especially because your brother was here as well. What was you know the sacrifices that we talk about, but you never really get the details. It's quite the journey. It's not like just popping over kind of no. the border or somewhere. Um, for them to have a couple of sons down here as well. It's 
It's tough. Did they move down here? What did that no, look like for you guys? No, mum and dad were great. I mean, look, there's five years between difference between me and Andy and then two and a half between me and Kev. So we've all followed in each in, in Andy's footsteps, leaving here at 16. So when I was coming here at 14, Andy would be 19. I think Kev was in the in the digs around the corner. So I would get, finish school, I'd leg it on. Uh, my dad would make me tea because mum would be at work. Dad finished early on a Friday. I'd jump in the bath, I'd get me tracksuit on I'd have pie chips and beans for my tea uh, something simple straight to the train real station. healthy as well the real guy healthy. did change I mean, as we progressed I mean, of course career. he did I mean yeah funds weren't there as easy to come by it was quick get it done uh, straight to Darling which probably took about 35 minutes I, I, rem- I remember it as if it was yesterday I, get, I used to get the 5.35 train from Darling we used to have to change it Derby as well which was an absolute nightmare on a Saturday when I'd gone home or Sunday whenever they were playing and again at 8.30 would get picked up um, at the station there was lads coming from London We there was a few of us a few got on at York I got on at Darlington and we'd just train Saturday morning home Sunday so that sacrifice was so hard you'd have school to do Monday to Friday every weekend but then every school holiday you'd be down here for a week or 10 days whatever it was and you'd just stay so your sacrifices were big it was it was hard and there was times when your friends were going out uh, and you weren't look I used to go out, Andy took me under his wing, I'd be going out at 15, I would do this, this was how it was, I wasn't I wasn't squeaky clean, let me tell you, I would go out and enjoy myself like every other young kid, but then when I moved here at 16, uh, my career just went from strength to strength, no education to do well, Wednesday and Thursday afternoon, but I just loved playing football, football was my life from from the age I could walk it, it really really was, and I just wanted to be a professional footballer so badly, and when someone wants something so much, you give sacrifices and maybe that give me the edge that to the players that were superior to me. Maybe they thought they had it before they did. Well, you probably don't even look at them as sacrifices when you're in the moment, do you? Mm. We talk about it now and you look back and go, mm. all the things I missed out on and what I did, the train down from Darlington. But are you only looking at the, that now and saying you think that was a sacrifice at the time? Was it just part and parcel? Do you know what I mean? Was it, it was, just the norm? It was because it was fun. Yeah. And we'd stay at the cricket club some nights, we'd stay at home Pierpoint uh, all week and we'd stay wherever because there was quite a few of us did it. Um, but like I said earlier, not everyone went on to make it. Some got released at 16, had done the same two-year journey as what I'd done. Then all of a sudden, what do you do? You, you've gone from thinking this is going to be great and leaving school and going into uh, full-time being an academy player. That That is taken away for them. So there was times when you thought, oh, my mate's going out on a on a Friday night or a Saturday night, but you would have never changed it because you love playing football. But that's the distractions that that kids have, for, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we talk, We obviously know all about the people who don't make it. There's only a small percentage of you mm. that do, and especially now as well, with all the international signing yeah. becoming... I think it's got harder, Rachel. I do. Yeah. I do believe that, with, especially in the Premier League, because of the finances, you look at the turnover at this football club, how many players have come in, how many we've, we, we've they've signed. So that does definitely make a, a difference. But you look at the championship where the money isn't the same, League One, League Two, so you do have a different avenue to go down, but the Premier League is so hard to, to break through as a, as, as, as a young English-British player. Why do you think you did break through? I think I was at the right football club. I, I do believe that. I had the right manager in charge in Paul Hart, and I was obviously good enough. Uh, I think all those three factors to, to came into to getting the opportunity. Uh, I've said a lot of players played in this first team that were in the academy, but maybe drifted down the leagues or drifted out the game. So it's all well and good saying having the getting the opportunity, but then can you sustain it for for longevity? And that that is the difference. People say it's hard to break in. No, it's hard to stay in. 
that that's that that's the hardest. Many many players, if you look at the academy of players who've gone through and gone, how many games did they play? Might have played under ten to go on to play a lot more is is is, is a lot harder. Well then. Let's talk about where you went next then from here with Reedy. Obviously, that's very well documented of how that came about. It was obviously this joint transfer. The story I'd like you to tell was, was there something to do with you two in a field in Essex? Yes, there was. I thought there might yeah, have been. There, and was. I, I, there was. I've, there was. You've done well. It was more oh. in the papers rather than people you know talking about it a lot. It, it's true. And that was really down to a T, honestly. It was ridiculous. So we left even uh, transfer deadline day. We went down to London. We went to a hotel around the corner because we were still chewing and throwing. Uh, and did really, you think it was going to go through? Yeah, I think we always knew it was going to go through. I think we always knew it was going to go through. The, the finances of the football club, they needed money in. Um, he was just given the green light. So we were at a hotel... Reedy with his agent, me with my agent. So Reedy said, let's go for a walk. Not having a clue where we are in Chigwell. So we went for a walk and he thought it was going to be a circle, but this circle just kept getting bigger and bigger. Then we ended up getting going through a field. Uh, well, it, it was, honestly, I'm like, Reedy, what are we doing? It's now like time. We're getting a hot sweat on us. And I'm twitching anyway. Reedy's like, it's all right. I said, Reedy, we're going further. Should we not just turn back and go the way we know and get back to... Okay? No, no, if we walk around, it's a circle. But this circle, I swear, is like going to the Trent and coming up. Oh, my. It was never ending. Uh, and then eventually we got to a road and his agent phone said, look, it's all agreed. Where are you? He's like, well, we're at a road. We don't know where we are. Bring no Google Maps then to have, go Yeah, but there was probably search. no Google Maps then. It was my... Honestly, it was... So we just put... Uh, his agent put an, a road in and, and the gun picked up. So and then we get there and we're like sweating, trainers dirty. It's like, oh, really? Honestly, it was... Yeah. It would have been easier just to turn back the way we'd gone and get there within... If you want 20 minutes, it's going to take 20 minutes to get back. No, nah, really just said, keep going. Did you used to do everything that really said? No. Seemed like you did not. though, didn't no, you? No, after that, me and Reedy really Leave Forrest, that come for a that. walk with me. Yeah, you might nah. not make it to the medical. De- definitely not do what Reedy did. That could have been trouble. <laughs> but that was the kind of character he was yeah. as well. Obviously, and, you know, I'm not saying that the, the move came about because of him, but it was, it was a joint move, obviously over to Spurs, which was the start of something really special for you. But what was that relationship then like between the two of you when you went to Spurs? Obviously, it was vital here yeah. and a great relationship and we still still see you kind of together on and off the pitch yeah. did it continue this the same yeah of course you, you go with a, a player that you've known for for a long long time um and really i had a stress fracture when i when i when i signed so it was hard for me because i was doing different timings to what really was he was playing and all these kind of things is different you're outside with the train with the guys who are training you're playing i had to wait two or three months. I think April it was when I made my, made my debut. So that was that was harder for me than what it was for me. Went straight into the team at the weekend and played and uh, had a big impact in the game when they beat, they beat Portsmouth. But I had to wait. Um, but yeah, we sat next to each other in, in, in the changing room and yeah, it was just having a, a familiar face. But they players took, us, took me under my wing there. Robbie Keane was incredible. Uh, first day I'm walking into a, a dressing room coming from the championship full of superstars. Well, uh, world-class players and Robbie took us straight out for a bite to eat and as I say they just took me under my wing and felt part and as I say was part of the gags on, on many a time that they, they took the mickey out of. I mean talking about a team of superstars I was just thinking the kind of players that you played with at Spurs I mean the Gareth Bales Champions League winners the Luka Modric's who's still going now at the World Cup this year. Team obviously was a was second mm. four years ago, obviously third place this year. I mean, what was it like to be 
a part of a team with those kind of players? Like, were they the, were they two of the best in yeah. that Spurs side? Definitely. Um, Gaz was the best player I ever played with um, just because he could win a football match on his own. And I was very fortunate to play with world-class players. I remember the Champions League final when he did the bicycle kick yeah. as well. I mean, you just watched him and you're like, I was there in that moment in that stadium going, wow, you are special. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I played with special players. I did. I mean, you, you look at Van der Vaart, you look at Modric, you look at uh, Bale, you look at Defoe, Crouchy, uh, Berbatov, Van der Vaart. I mean, the list goes on. Ledley King. Um, and, and there's some I will have missed there as well, by the way. I played I played with Hugo when he made made his debut for for Spurs. So I was fortunate to captain them players as well in for for a, for a short period, and and it was an honour. I still still now to the day when I went back and Gaz was back at Spurs. He, you don't forget the players you played with. He, he he signed a shirt to Louis and and these kind of things. But what a career he's had. Uh, probably not the recognition that he deserves, in my opinion, till he till he finished. He, he was world class, and he was in a period probably not longevity as what your Messi Ronaldo's have been but there was a period in his career where he was certainly up with them he was phenomenal uh, and like I said I think it was 12-13 at Spurs where he carried us and when you play with a world class player you realise because they get you out of trouble more time the game might be nil-nil you might be losing one-nil they will they will get something out of nowhere that no other player can can get and that that for me defines world class to, uh, to, to a, a really good player Do you think he maybe didn't get the recognition that the other kind of superstars you were just saying Messi, Ronaldo's did because he's also not that kind of person that really publicises himself. He's a very quiet, yeah. reserved kind of person. Okay, Messi's not as much as Ronaldo, yeah. I'd say, but Bale is the complete opposite. More like yourself. Complete opposite to, to what you see, Cristiano. And, and when, he, when he went to Real, you wondered how he was going to slot in uh, because he wouldn't walk into a dressing room and go, it's all about me, I'm Gareth Bale. Um, so he was pretty quiet. It was no different than Spurs. He was pretty quiet. I used to sit next to him. He, he sat to the to the right of me. Uh, he might be in the left actually. Guns might be to the right. And we just he was pretty quiet. We, we played golf. He, he took golf up early. A few of us joined the club, and he would play his golf, and then he'd go home. We might have a drink. He wouldn't. He didn't do that. He just all he did was keep himself to himself. That was him, and he was a superstar. So it's not like people change, and then that's how he was as a young kid growing up to his parents and what a guy what a career absolutely phenomenal well, the football definitely could do the talking mm. for the likes of of Gareth Bale of course um, talking about strikers anyone in your career that you were just so frightened to go up against was there a where do up? I start what, no, but come on if you can if you can give us all one story about you like, oh my gosh not tonight what, what are we letting ourselves in for here oh I mean Moscow to Champions Agu League Aguero yeah. Ronaldo Rooney Drogba. Did you used to get nervous with those kind of players, knowing you're like, oh, you're obviously going to, they're obviously going to be on the team sheet. They're obviously starting, you know who you're up against. I got nervous when whoever I was playing against because I wanted to be better than your opponents. I wanted to win. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to send everyone home happy. So I got nervous. That was, that was irrelevant. The probably only time I, I never got nervous was probably early on in your career. I made my debut. I was more excited when I made my debut for, for Spurs at Anfield. Uh, I think it was Torres at the time if I'm right um, more excited yeah. to go out and perform it was probably then a season in where you go everyone's talking about you you've set the bar so high now you have to perform for that and when you come down then you start getting criticised and you think wow how do I get back so your, your nerves comes it but the excitement and you were playing against world class players week in week out and it came to Kevin Davis who was an absolute handful whenever we played ball at the rebot we always lost 
Whenever we played him at White Hart Lane, we won. It was it was one of those. Ke yeah. Kevin Davis was an absolute handful. He'd always score, and it was like you go in on a Monday morning, win a header. It was all these kind of things, but different players. I mean, week in week out, they were phenomenal. Robin Van Van Persie, Adebayo when he was at Arsenal, your rivals and his scores, and you think no way. Week in week out in the Premier League, you are playing against the best players in the world. So you had to be at your best because if you weren't. And even when you were at your best, it sometimes wasn't good enough. Yeah, I mean, you've had, obviously, an excellent career. Like, again, I alluded to Champions League. You were captain wherever you went. You know, that's just a testament to you and your personality. Uh, League Cup titles, talking of Drogba, I think he was the guy that scored uh, that goal. Obviously, he went on to win, which was great. But uh, for Chelsea there and the World Cup, I just want to touch mm. on that. Obviously, you didn't get a play, but what a moment getting to go out there to South Africa to be part of of that squad yeah. was that like I guess it was a highlight and possibly yeah, then yeah. on the other side not yeah I mean look I'd probably arguably my best season um, I got player of the year at Spurs at the time and I still think now when you go back to the Aussie Ardealis Janolas Klinsman Bale Berbatov Keane Defoe Ledley King Harry Kane now Sonny and them kind of players you're on a plat Teddy Sheringham that was my best year. I got player of the year and that That's for me, was, it, yeah. was, it was an unbelievable achievement uh, and Fabio recognised that and we had two weeks away high altitude altitude training before we went to, to South Africa and I think there were six of us. I think it was, um, there was Rio, JT, Ledley King, Carragher, Matty Upson and myself. So they were never going to take six of us. Um, so ultimately it was going to be me or Matty Upson who were the centre-halves weren't, weren't going to gonna be going and Two weeks back, we kept, we came, uh, and then we Fabio said, "Right, I'll give you all a call tomorrow before the twenty-three man squad is is announced." And I remember being in London with Tom Huddleston. We we went for some food, and and I, his phone rang. He went, "I ain't answering that." He <laughs> went, "That'll be the bad call." My phone rang about ten seconds later. I said, "Well, I'm answering." So it was it was Fabio, and he just said, "Look, Michael, unfortunately, you're not in the squad." I says, "No problem." Uh, I said I'll be uh, I'll be a fan now. I wish you luck. That, yeah. I will be. I'll be down the pub with my my brother and my mates, and we'll be watching it because you are. You, you, country's going to a to a World Cup, so that's how it was. So me and Tom went out that day. We're on holiday now. We've finished for for four or five weeks. Next day we're off, and then they fly over. I think the day after Rio gets injured. So the whole nation are devastated. Uh, the Michael Dawson You're family, and then, the Michael Dawson family, and everyone are absolutely delighted because my uh, my phone rings and it was Michelle from the FA saying, "Look, Rio's out. He's done his medial ligament. You're on the next flight tonight to South Africa." I was like, literally, it was me and my wife's first uh, wedding anniversary, so I was just planning on booking going going to London for a few few nights before we went on holiday. That soon went out the window. I literally was on on the next flight that night. At, probably a night flight and fl flew over and, and that was that was me I said I'll see you in hopefully six weeks and unfortunately it was only only three weeks because uh, unfortunately we went out to Germany but it was an incredible experience yes I didn't get on the pitch but just to go and see how a World Cup was and to see how the English team are, uh, the England team are doing now is, is credit to, to Gareth because they've got a different togetherness of what we had back in in 2010 and that was the only World Cup I, I obviously went to yeah I mean obviously you didn't play the biggest part that you would have hoped to but even that story gives me goosebumps just hearing about how that came about and getting the call a little bit late kind of makes it even more special sorry to your wife that she didn't get um, her anniversary <laughs> holiday but yeah I'm sure you've a few since then she's all right I'm sure she, you're still going strong um I'm conscious of time here Dawes before we go we've got two little things also up my sleeve or behind my cushion as I'll say here uh first up we would like uh story time with Michael story Dawes. time what book we're reading 
We're reading Rachel's iPad for his fans. <laughs> for his players, past and present. I've um, taken a couple of pictures of them. Okay. And I'd like you to look at the player and try and remember a story from your time here. Past, that's a long time ago. Well, there's only right. one act. Well, actually, there's two parts. A couple of parts, okay. but still, not, okay. not too old school. First one. Oh, you can show the camera as well. Oh, Benny Osborne. Forest legend. Uh, young kid coming through the ranks. Um, Benny was always one that was pretty quiet, went about very dry sense of humour. Um, and I remember one trip, we were going on tour, I can't remember where it was, it might have been Spain. And we're all on the way down on the... <laughs> I remember, I could see him sit on a bus. <laughs> and we're all going, has everyone got your passport? What have you got to remember? Your football boots and your passport to get out of the country. That's all you need. Everything else is going to be sorted for you can survive. So you can get it over there. So we're all going, who's forgot the passport? Benny gets to, I think we're flying from Luton, we might have been. If he gets his passport, his face dropped. Benny was pretty relaxed most of the time. Well, literally all the time. He played like that, forgot his passport. Well, he just, oh my word, he just looked like the world was ending. He was like, oh, I'm going to tell my... <laughs> Uh, what did he, did what? he make it what, yeah what? he made it in the end someone must have brought his passport I don't know if he brought his girlfriend's passport I don't know what happened but he forgot his passport anyway and now he got it down I was thinking oh my word and do you know what you got that nervous laugh from him you think oh my <laughs> word imagine what he's going through but do you know when something like that happens with a group of lads on a bus there's no sympathy they just grill you even more you can see the fear on his face And uh, but thankfully for Benny he got it he was a, a, a great lad and obviously he, he left to, to go to the Premier League when it happened with Sheffield United but he'll always be uh, um, a, a fan's favourite here yeah, absolutely. Well, would you like to swipe and see who we've got next? Oh, Joe Lolly. What a player. Um, first time I come across Joe Lolly, and it, it sticks with me. We went to St. George's Park my first first trip. So I signed in the summer, met the, met the lads, and we're on the bus. And I sat next to him at, at lunch, and I thought, this guy is hilarious. Like, I, I sat next to him... Never met him, never come across him. And he would like we've known each other for long enough. He starts going on about his student life. Um, no one wants to hear about oh, anyone's I'm student life. I'm telling you, his student life summed him up and he never improved. I thought, well, you must have changed now, Lolly. Uh, Kidderminster to Huddersfield. Now you're at Forest, massive football club. And he still lived like a student, honestly. He was, I mean, one of the stories when he'd been out, like, getting in, which I'm sure many students do. I was never a student, so I never I never lived this. Buying a pizza and eating it, and then the next morning getting up and having it again. I'm like, lolly, 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 come on, mate. I've never done this, but this is how it was. He was just a character, good character, good laugh, and uh, another good friend that we, we met along the way. Well, Doors, I can confirm I was a student, but I will not confirm <laughs> or deny if I did a Joe Lolly and did that with a pizza. Well, maybe yours was Chinese, maybe Chinese, and then in the morning warm it up. Lolly said he didn't even warm it up. I was like, oh, oh. there was plenty of drinking games that he that he went and uh, yeah, tying your hands to balls and things like that. Fair, fair old man, yeah. There we go. We wish him luck. Yeah, great. Next, guy. this guy. Oh, Kashi. What a character. You got on well with him. You already told I us did. that. Yeah, I got on, yeah. Uh, a real soft spot for Cashy when he... Uh, classic Cash, they used to say. Some of the things he came out with. And to see where he's gone to, to today, he was he was as daft as a brush. But one of them characters, do you walk into a dressing room that you just straight away take to? You want to do well. You want to put your arm around him. And Sabri made him into a right back. Um, he was a right winger when, when I came in and... He had, he had all the attributes he did and we see him at Aston Villa now big club in the Premier League quick, strong he had a great delivery free kicks but he was always one of them lads that everyone loved but we all took the mickey out of classic cash classic cash there you go <laughs> and finally 
I saw them just before. I know you did. Ah, uh, yeah. We've got Brennan and David Johnson here, yeah. if you couldn't see the picture. And not many players can probably say this. I did it with two two uh, two dads and two two sons, and that was probably time when I knew I was getting old. Um, obviously, played with with David Johnson, brilliant player, uh, and we had um, we had a trip. John had broke his leg, and we ended up going to La Manga. I think it was. I'd done my hamstring, and we went away and had a trip. I was a young eighteen-year-old, and John was a senior player, and. Uh, Good guy, another player that you sort of looked up to. Him and, him and Marlon, 20-plus goals in the Championship, getting to, to a playoff. David would always play on the shoulder of a centre-half, so I'd play against David always in training. And uh, But yeah, different. Jono was a young player, and I thought he should have got an opportunity before he did here. Mm -hmm. uh, Brennan, sorry, I'm talking Jono. The both Jonos, aren't they? I'm uh, still, we all know you. Because you yeah. you're saying David and then Jono, yeah. so we're going... We're, Bre Brennan. Realising it's Brennan. You always saw it he's, when he stepped up and... Trained with us, scoring goals, assisting, and then last year when um, Steve came and gave him the opportunity, and he was one of the one of the reasons why why Forest got promoted because he was sensational. We see him this year when he gets he gets his chances, he tends to tends to take them. So, young younger player in, in my time here, Brennan, and the other player I've played with, Dad and Son, was Tyler and Des, two two great great people. So. I, that, that's a challenge for you find any other players that have played with uh, two dads and two sons because that means you're getting old well that isn't what's coming next All right, I do okay. have one thing that's coming <laughs> next we have a leaderboard oh. with some questions and that was, there was things like that I was trying to do I was thinking maybe three brothers in a match but anyway didn't quite get there okay. so Doors we have a leaderboard every week you can see who's leading at the moment and didn't surprise you no it didn't surprise me we yet to <laughs> okay so we've got Five questions and then a bonus question. So five questions are all kind of about you and your career. So you should know them. Okay. Really? Really. It's a long time ago. Yeah, no, not that long. Right. Oh, question like one. It. Ready? How many not appearances really. did you make in the Premier League? Oh man. Surely this you... comes up on Soccer Saturday. I reckon oh, it comes up gosh. weekly. Michael Dawson played X amount of appearances how in the many, Premier League. How many can it must be within ten? Uh, no, I can't get exactly the right number. I've got an idea. Okay, within I've got 10. An, I've got an idea now. Well, if I get within 10, okay. I'll get it. A Premier League. Premier League. 283. 286. Oh. You were getting a point that we just said it within 10. Yeah. When, was, when you're in the ages, it's like you've already got yeah. it. You were close. Yeah. yeah. I bet well, it does Do you know why up. I was angry that I didn't get 300? Ooh, yeah, 86. Little, little things like that. I didn't get 600 appearances as well, and that really annoyed me. I was thinking, if I'd sat on my ass for a little bit longer, I'd put me on, man. Should have been in bench camp longer. Well, no, nah, I never got it. Nah, no one ever chucked me on for the appearance, but it did. Just, like, just like, me on for a, a minute, minute, yeah, a minute at the end. So, one, we're giving you that. Okay, you were named number two. You were named in the PFA Championship Team of the Year in 2002-3. Which other Forest player made the team that year? Must have been Reedy. Oh, no, oh, was it? Oh, I've just said John and as well. Oh, my Ellie was young. We had an unbelievable year. There's oh. just two of you. Oh, Jim Brennan. You can't name I them all. Your wow. squad was good, but... Yeah, it must... If, I, if it's not one of them players, I will be... Oh, oh was it Darren Ward? Oh, my gosh. It's definitely one of them, though, isn't it? It's guaranteed. You named about there. six there. Yeah, I know I did. Yeah, but... you got to name one. Right. It's going to be wrong. I'll go Andy Reid. No, David Johnson. David Johnson. Yeah. So one out of two. Question three. You had two spells at Forest. 
Name the player who also had two spells at Forest, one between 84 and 92, and then a second between 2002 and 2005. Oh, yeah, I had to think that. I had to think that. You got me. Yeah, I named yeah. obviously him yeah, because he's yeah, such yeah. a vital Those part. Work, yeah. Again, so okay, you're doing well. Yeah. Two out of three. Question four: You were part of a joint transfer with Reedy to Spurs in 2005. Which players were part of a joint transfer this summer to Forest? Oh, very good question. L- logical thinking. Well, I'm thinking. <laughs> Are you thinking logic? And that, that, that's a problem when I think. <laughs> oh, wow. Who we played at the player final? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what? I wouldn't have got that. Would you not? Harry Tofflon or Lewis O'Brien. No, I wouldn't have got well, that. O'Brien, obviously, now not Yeah, really no, I've just seen. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, good. I wouldn't have got that okay, one. Okay, this one. You played the first League Cup final at Wembley in 2008. Before that, when was the last? League Cup final played at Wembley. So that had been the first one. Right, okay. Right, well, this is an idea now. I'm going back to the logic here. Well, are you? Well, well, if we'd have got to Wembley in 2005 here as a player final, that would have been at the Millennium. No. That could have been the first final back at Wembley because I remember sitting in the dressing room when I crying with a towel over me when I got sent off in the semis. So 5-6. No, 5-6. So 2002. We should have a time limit next time, yeah, guys. Two, sorry, 2000. Yeah, we'll time. 2002. You'll be able to cut it. Don't worry about this. <laughs> You'll be when I get it right. It'll be like that. It's uh, it's 2002-3. I am going for. So when was the last final play? I'm going for 2003. 2000. Oh, miles off yeah. it. So after that, then well done. You got three out of five. But we have a chance for you to oh, redeem yourself what? and get an extra bonus. All right. Point. Okay. So. What we do here, we've recorded a player saying a line. You have to name the player with slightly tweaked his voice. So please name this player. I've learned from some fantastic experienced pros. For example, Michael Dawson. Ah, oh, Ryan Yates. Easy. No, it's not. <laughs> no, <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> he said that on the podcast oh, a couple yes, of weeks ago. What a guy. All right, four. Are you happier? Yeah, I'll take four. Mm. Yeah, you can win. Do you want to write on your, do you want to write yourself on the yeah. on the board? Here we go. There we go. What did he put? I don't know, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Yates, are you watching? Oh, oh, it's, per- oh it's permanent! Oh no! Oh no! Cheating. Well, World Horse is deciding how to write a number four. Remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, then subscribe on wherever you listen to all your podcasts. And then again, obviously, on YouTube. Remember to turn the notifications on and subscribe so you don't miss an episode like this with Michael Dawson. Thanks, guys. I told you education wasn't (laughs) your best point. Yeah, you're worried for a minute, mate. And with that, we'll say goodbye. But it was only four, I couldn't cheat. (laughs) Cut! Thanks, (laughs) Dawson.